you get a chance uh, today, make sure you thank a veteran. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's someone here on campus. Uh, but take a moment today to thank a veteran in your life uh, if you get the opportunity or create the opportunity. Hey, I want to give you a few announcements of things happening this week. Uh, there's, a, there's a few kind of random things happening. You received an email yesterday or the day before about something called hashtag crash the grid. And so here's what we need to tell you about what's happening uh, today and tomorrow. Um, tonight, we're asking folks who live in Clark, Memorial, McKee, and Pierce uh, to be online between 8 and 10 if you can in your hall. What we're, what we're doing is trying to improve the Wi-Fi, and the more that we can have people push it between 8 and 10 tonight, the better. Uh, we are going to, in those halls, have, uh, if you'd like to join a trivia game, we'll have a trivia game going on. There's e-gaming going on at that time as well. You can join each of those at the geneva.edu slash student events page. Um, or just watch a movie or do whatever you would normally do on, on the internet. And, and we're asking you to push the Wi-Fi. You'll get a survey after that tonight to uh, let us know how the Wi-Fi was for you. So the, tonight is the traditional halls. Tomorrow, um, from 8 to 10 p.m., is Young Hall, the Geneva Arms, Schoolhouse, Kerr, and Richardson. So 8 to 10, traditional halls tonight, uh, and other halls tomorrow. Same events are taking place. Go to geneva.edu student events to join trivia or, or to join e-gaming. All right? But that's what, it, what we're trying to do. We're trying to improve the Wi-Fi. So just know uh, we're asking you to try to push it tonight if possible and tomorrow. All right. Also, one thing you can do tomorrow is the Geneva College Theater Program. I'm going to read their blurb because they did a better job than I am. Tune in to Geneva College, College Theater's live stream of It's a Wonderful Life, a live radio play written by Joe Landry. This show brings Frank Capra's original film to life as a play performed in a 1940s radio station where film and music stars come together to share a story about an about the impact a single life can have and what it means to be truly wealthy. Um, the, the show starts tomorrow, so it's Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night, and you can uh, go to the Geneva College uh, Theater's website to find that out. That's 7.30, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday this weekend. Check it out. It's going to be a fun, a fun evening. Uh, on Friday, we are, as you guys know, one of the conversations happening in our world today is around this idea of police and police reform. And um, we have, over the summer, we host... Friday at 7.30 in Sky Lounge. And so we're going to talk about criminal justice. We're going we're to have people from the criminal justice system on the panel, people from human services on the panel, people from mental health on the services on the panel, because we want to talk about this conversation hopefully in a different way than, than is just being talked about in, in our world today. So we, we're, we're going to have this conversation. It is, because we're on moderate level, it's going to be limited to the amount of people who come, but please come to that Friday night, 7.30.
Well, good morning and uh, officially welcome to, to chapel today. Um, I had a few students downstairs say, you're looking good today, Brandon. And, and I just said, you know, some days you just need to dress up. You know, some days you just need to wear a tie. I don't know what it is. But, um, hey, we've got two weeks left here on campus before finals. And, and I think the question to be thinking about is what do you need? What do you need to, to thrive and succeed in those, in those two weeks? And, and how, do you, how do you live that out? Um, I don't know if I'll wear a tie every day, but I needed it today. Um, would you please stand with me as we read the Apostles' Creed together? Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. morning, Geneva. The prayer this morning comes from Psalm 90, uh, in which we both give thanks to the Lord for his goodness, and then also ask the Lord um, what he is doing with us, uh, which is a fair question to ask. Uh, but before I do that, I do want to say a prayer of thankfulness and also a prayer of protection upon those who do serve or have served uh, in the military of our country, um, and to thank the Lord for their willingness to do so and to pray his mercies upon them as they do serve. So let us go to the Lord in prayer and just do remember that in conclusion, we will sing or we will uh, say the Lord's Prayer together. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful that you have gathered us here and that we can see each other in body and that we can rejoice in the goodness of your Son and the work that he is doing among us now, even as we prepare to hear the word preached by Pastor Baker. And that we pray, Lord, that you would be upon him and give him a special grace and that your truth would pour forth from his mouth. We do also now, Lord, remember those who have faithfully served in our military. We pray that you would be with them as they struggle from injuries that have occurred in their service or from the difficulty of bearing up under that service after it's finished uh, and the different problems and uh, difficulties that come with that, Lord. We pray that you would bless them and encourage them. And then we do also pray, Lord, that you would be with those who have recently either signed on to the military or have recently deployed. And so their schools, school has been interrupted or 
or other things that they have been doing have been interrupted and they've been sent to a place of danger and a place where they will be tested and tempted. And so we pray, Lord, that your spirit would go with them, that your son would be beside them, and that your army, Lord, would accompany them, uh, not necessarily for their side or for what they see as right, Lord, but what you see as right and good, and that you would continue to execute your will, Lord, in our faithful service to you and your kingdom. We also pray, Lord, this morning, the words of Psalm 90. You have been our dwelling place throughout many generations. Even before the mountains were made, Lord, and before you brought forth the earth and the world, you are and are God our everlasting God. We were made of dust and we returned to dust. And to you, each day is like a thousand years. And so, Lord, we look to you now because we know that your eternal presence is what sustains us even in the darkness of night. You take people away every day in death, and you raise them up in the resurrection. Every day seems new, and yet at the end of every day, things also seem old. The world seems like it is being consumed by your anger. And there are many reasons for you to be angry, Lord. The sinfulness of our hearts. The sinfulness of the nations. The sinfulness of people committing sins against each other and against you. And also, Lord, you have laid bare our own hearts so that we see our own sins as if in a light. And we have a hard time believing, Lord, that you could love us because we see that you have anger for those sins and for those who commit sin. So we thank you, Lord, that you have not made us endure this permanently, but in fact that you have limited our days and you see them from afar. And you have told us that even the present suffering has its time and that you have prepared us for a life eternal. Lord, let us think of these things as we consider you and as we consider how you see our sin. Help us to see our sin the way that you do, something that we should be separated from, something that will kill us, something that will cause harm and difficulty and distress, anxiety, pressure and temptation. 
Teach us to see our days in the light of your days. Help us to see what we do in eternity, in all time, so that the words that we speak and the actions that we take and the attitudes that we have might be put against the way that you see us, Lord, and the thoughts that you have of us and the actions that you have taken and the words that you have spoken. Lord, have mercy on us, for the world suffers greatly, and even we here suffer under this plague. Have compassion on us. Give us the strength that will satisfy us, shown in your unfailing love, that we might sing out with joy and be glad all of our days. Make us glad for all of the days that you have set aside for us, even as we experience this trouble. Show us your good deeds. Show them to us. And show them to those who will come after us. May your favor be upon us, Lord, every day. May your spirit rest upon us. May you establish the work of our hands. Lord, yes, please establish the work of our hands. And now, Lord, we pray to you this prayer that your Son has given us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Revelation 12, 7 through 11. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent, who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. This is the word of the Lord. We're about to do our psalm reading. Uh, and I want, I want to give you permission to do a special kind of singing. Now, I think some of you 
might enjoy the fact that we read the psalm because you don't think of yourself as a good singer. But uh, both in the scripture and in some uh, good literature, it talks about our ability to sing in our hearts. And so I'm giving you permission to sing in your heart while we're speaking out loud. Um, and, and I want you to know that I think I'm probably a better singer in my heart than I am in terms of what actually comes out. But I want to remind you why we're doing this. This is not a placeholder. It's frustrating that we can't actually sing. But the scriptures call us to do this together. And in fact, I want you to look side to side. Look at the people that are sitting next to you, behind you a little bit. Because the scriptures say that we're to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And in this part of our chapel service, you are teaching one another by God's design. You are admonishing, encouraging each other with words that God has given us to do that. So it's an active part of what we're doing. It's not a checkbox. Oh, or Geneva, we got to do the psalm thing, right? No, there's something ordained by God that the Spirit is working in our midst as we do this. And I want you to notice that we are agreeing with the word that will be preached to us today because the word that we will hear today will in some way, shape, or form remind us who our king is and who is ruling over all. And this theme is not just in one place in Scripture. It's not just in one book. It's not just in one testament. It's pervasive everywhere the scripture proclaims that God is the king and that Christ is our Lord. And so please stand and prepare to teach and encourage one another in the reading of this selection from Psalm 103. Please read with me. The word of God, as for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field for the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Thank you for teaching me. Please be seated. Good morning, Geneva. Good morning. It is good to be with you again. I have been so blessed 
uh, in my time with you this semester. And um, I believe this is my last time uh, this semester. And, uh, and uh, so uh, Godspeed as you finish up and uh, work hard and trust in the Lord. Um, there's a word from the Lord today, amen? amen? Comes from Matthew 22. Matthew 22, verses 15 through 22. And uh, in my last time here with you this semester, and as we come off the heels of a contentious uh, political and election season, uh, I think it'd be great to debrief uh, in the word of God and really check our motivations as the people of God about how we engage in culture and specifically in the political realm. Um, I used to work at a camp in between uh, high school and college, and uh, we would do ropes course, and right, those were traumatic experiences for some of the campers and the counselors, and so we'd have debriefing sessions, amen? And so uh, let's take some time to debrief this morning, amen? If you, for, the, for those of us who've been traumatized. Matthew twenty-two fifteen, the word of the Lord reads like this. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his words, and they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully, and you don't care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And when they heard it, they marveled and they left him and went away. The word of God for you, the people of God, thanks be to God. Today, I'd like to talk to you from this subject. God is the highest authority. God is the highest authority. We pray with me. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, my strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. God is our highest authority. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I think the hymnologist heart and message in this song is get to the heart of Christ's message in this, in this text today. All other ground other than Jesus Christ is sinking sand for your life. 
Friends, this is the message we need to process and we need to internalize and we need to grab hold of and cling to tightly in this season where Christianity seems to have become co-opted by right-wing and left-wing politics so that your Christianity is decided by who you voted for and not the Lord that you're living for. The the, The message of today's text teaches us this, that God is the highest authority in the life of the believer. Therefore, the believer must prioritize and give our ultimate allegiance to the will of God in the way we live our lives within human culture. If God is the highest authority, Geneva, in your life, then God should be your first priority and the first one you think about in how you make decisions and and, 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 and and the actions that you pursue in the way that you live for him in this world. This is really what I believe is the heart of Christ as he is in this encounter with people who are challenging his authority. Today's text calls us to reflect as we debrief and ask the question, has Christ been the number one authority in your life? And have you given Christ your ultimate allegiance in this season of your life? The first uh, truth I see in the text that helps us that we must wrestle with to answer the question, is our ultimate allegiance given to God because he is our highest authority, is in the first few verses of this text, verses 15 through verses uh, 18, 17. Um, in the text, it reads, then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his words. And they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true, and teach the way of God truthfully, and you do not care about what about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by their appearances. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Okay, the first truth I see in the text is this. Uh, If God is our highest authority students, then we can't be motivated by self-interest in the way that we engage culture, in the way that just the way that we live our lives. Amen. Uh, We we should not be motivated by self-interest if God is our highest authority. In the text, the Pharisees, the, the, the conservative religious authority in first century Palestine partners with the Herodians, this political entity that is uh, uh, only concerned with self-preserving preserving power for their group. How do they preserve this power? By staying committed to the emperor who sits on the throne in Rome. And so this group, these two groups, this religious group and this political group partner together to discredit the ministry of Jesus because Jesus ministry is threatening their power and their influence and persuasion on the populace in Palestine in their day. 
Uh, so they, they ask Jesus a question that they think is going to stump him, or that they think he's going to get wrong, that he didn't study long enough in seminary to be able to answer in Jesus because he is endowed with the presence of God, the power of God, the wisdom of God, answers this question like his Sunday school. He just knocks it out of the park when they ask him, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? Jesus answers their question with no problem, but at the heart of their question was self and ambition. Jesus calls them hypocrites because he knew that they did not really want to discern the will of God. They were trying to preserve their own power within the culture. Are you with me today? They were trying to preserve their own power and their own status that Jesus, God ordained ministry was threatening because when you stand for God, it can put you in a tight uh, between a rock and a hard place within culture because often culture is in rebellion to the God who is its creator. And so the Pharisees and the Herodians come to ask Jesus a question that will discredit him and move him off the scene and get him in trouble with people. And, and, and this is because their motivation was self-interest, friends. And in the text, I don't think we are supposed to follow the example of the Pharisees and the Herodians. We are to look to the words of Christ to gain the direction for how we are to form our lives. Have you ever been around people like that who are only concerned with self-interest? That, that you haven't heard from them all semester, but now that we're getting close to finals, now they want to hang out and have study sessions, right? Uh, uh, you haven't talked to them in, in, in months, but now they want to get together because if they invite you to, if you, if they, if they invite you to their thing, they're hoping you'll invite them to their thing. And, and it's never fun being around people who have self-interest at heart. I've got a five-year-old who loves to play in the water in the sink. It's like he can't keep from doing it. And so uh, his, 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 his room is here and the bathroom's here and my room's over here. And so often I will walk into the hallway and see him on his way to the bathroom to play in the water. And students, what he'll do when he sees me is he'll just slide past the bathroom and come over. And I'll say, what are you doing? And he'll just wrap his arms around me and he'll say, Daddy, I just wanted you to know that I love you. And I'm, and I watch him walk away and I'm just thinking that little sinner. He, he, he only hugged me out of a heart and a motivation of self interest. He didn't want to get caught playing in the water again. But friends, that's often how we treat God. That's how the Pharisees treat this question about the will of God in the text. We're only engaged in our, uh, at times in our, wanting to know the will of God on certain subjects because it furthers our self-interest and we never question how does it manifest God's will or bless all who are in the conversation. Often we are engaging in, in, in culture, engaging in politics only to, to preserve self-interest and not to further the will of God in our lives and in the places that we have influence. 
So the first thing I believe the text teaches us is this, is that if God is our highest authority, our heart's motivation and the reason for acting within culture and politics and in our lives in general cannot be the motivation of self-interest. I'm always uh, impacted when I read the words of Jesus when he says, I came to do the will of the Father. His heart was to manifest the will of God with his life. We'll get there in a minute. The second truth I think we need to wrestle with in this text is then, if God is our highest authority, friends, we cannot dishonor God in order to honor men. Maybe another way to say it is we cannot dishonor God in order to give honor to human authority. In the text, the Pharisees ask the question, Jesus, is it lawful for us to pay tax to Caesar or not? Is it lawful, uh, uh, according to the will of God, for the people of God to pay, to pay tax to a man who believes that he is a God? And Jesus answers their question. He says to them, give me the coin. And Christ looks at the coin and he says, whose image is on the coin? They say, is there Caesar's image, possibly with an inscription that, that declared his divinity? And Jesus says, well, then give back to Caesar that which belongs to Caesar, but render unto God the thing that is that which belongs to God. Jesus gives in his answer a principle that honor that, that, that as believers, it is not to be, as believers and as people of God, it is not that we become apolitical or, 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 or retreat from culture. It is that we enter culture with this fundamental premise in our minds. The way that I interact with everybody else and in every sector is directly related or directed by the will of God for my life. I must honor God first as I engage with different uh, places of authority in human society. And so Jesus says, yes, pay the tax, but you don't pay the tax and you don't engage with the Roman Empire disconnecting yourself from the kingdom of God, that our allegiance to God gives direction to how we are to interact with every other human society, every other human authority. Maybe illustration will help. Uh, in my final summer, in my summer before my senior year in university, I remember walking around the campus of Oral Roberts University, uh, uh, just scratching my head and going over and over in my mind, was I going to ask my girlfriend to become my wife? talk to my friends, talk to mentors on the campus, ask them, uh, do you think I should ask her? Do you think I should get married? What about this? What about that? And they all gave me their best advice, but it all came down to one issue. Was I ready to make her the first priority in my life? Because if I made her first priority, it would change how I interacted with everyone else in my experience. If I made her first priority, then I no longer uh, thought about myself first when I made decisions. I had to include her. If I was going to take responsibility for her life, I had to see what was going to be best for her before I made a decision for myself. 
The scripture says I had to leave mom and dad and cleave to her. So when mom and dad called, I couldn't go running anymore because they did not have first priority in my life. She did. And she fundamentally changed how I would relate to every other female on the campus and for the rest of my life. My fidelity belonged to her and I no longer would pursue any of those relationships because she was my first priority. Friends, if God is your ultimate authority, he is your first priority whenever you are making a decision about how to engage politically, how to engage culturally, and how to engage any other question or any other group in your life. Your first identity are not cultural and political and even ethnic identity. Your first identity is that you are a child of God and a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, and you are thinking about the kingdom first and foremost when you engage Engage and even give honor to other human institutions. You cannot dishonor God as you seek to honor man. Thirdly, and finally, friends, what I see in the text is this, that we have to wrestle with to answer the question, has God, is God still the highest authority in our lives? Is that if God is the highest authority, We must give our ultimate allegiance to God by living our lives devoted to his will. We must give our ultimate allegiance to God by living our lives devoted to his will. Look with me again at verse 19. Jesus says, show show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. When they heard it, they marveled and they left him and went away. If God is our highest authority, then our allegiance belongs to them. We are to be fully devoted to seeking his will with our lives. Jesus says, let me see the coin. Return the coin to Caesar, but render to God that which belongs to God. What belongs to God? Everybody, if you will, say say with me, my life belongs to God. God wants your life. Caesar's image was stamped upon the coin, but God's image is impressed upon every human soul in this room, every life on this campus. You belong to God. Scripture says, my life is not my own. I've been bought with the price. The precious blood of Jesus has made those who were once enemies of God, children of God. We belong to God. Therefore, our ultimate allegiance is to be given to him first before any other group we experience, any other identity we may take on in culture. And, and it must not dishonor God for, uh, dishonor God if we are going to honor man. 
How do we return or give our lives to God? Paul says, don't be then conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is just your reasonable service. Your life is to be used to manifest the will of God, the kingdom of God, the ethics of God, the love of God in relationship to every person in every institution, every community that you come in contact with. Is that your mindset as you choose career, as you choose the place you will return to when you leave campus? Is that the way you are? your heart is positioned in relationship to God for how you will live in this world? talked to one of my mentors last night in preparation for today's sermon and he began to just talk with me about the text and he gave me an illustration that I'm going to steal right now. He said he went on a mission trip to a war-torn country while it was in the midst of chaos and all around the country was being ravished and taken advantage of. But because he was coming to this war-torn country as an American citizen, he had an opportunity to visit the American embassy. And when he went into the embassy students, it was, it was if he entered a completely different world. He entered a world, a building that could have been placed, he said, on any main street in any large city in our country because the design of the embassy was to put forth the message that this building is American soil. This building represents the country that it comes from. Friends, that is what our lives are to be for the kingdom of God. You are not living to be a good American citizen. That's a good thing to be a good citizen, but you've been created for a higher goal. You've been created to represent the kingdom of God in this foreign land. While we sit still in the kingdoms of men, we are ambassadors of Christ, Jesus says. And we are called to use our lives to completely reflect the will of God in relationship to the people and the world that he allows us to come in contact with. Brothers and sisters, what does it mean to reflect God in the way that we live, to, 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 to manifest God's kingdom in the way that we go throughout our life? It's interesting. As you go further down in Matthew 22, Jesus has another uh, encounter with a more left-leaning Jewish religious group, the Sadducees, in verse 34. And it says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered uh, uh, together. And one of them, a lawyer asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And this is the great and the first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands depend all the law and the prophets. Friends, what does it mean to give your total and ultimate allegiance to God? What does it mean to manifest the will of God as you live your life? It is to love God and love people with your life. Manifesting the love that you, you or imitating the love you have received from God through the redemption of Jesus Christ. 
Jesus lived, he died, and he rose again in order to reconnect you back to God. He saw you in the depths of your sin, but did not judge you and leave you there, but brought you near to him. And now he calls you to be a minister of reconciliation who goes out into the world and in your career and in your political engagement and your communal activity and in the home that you will build and in the church that you belong to, you are to reflect Christ to those who are far from him by sharing with them the love of God. And you can't love people who you've determined to demonize. Jesus has called us to identify with God's kingdom before any of the kingdom, the kingdoms of men that we find in this world. And I want to suggest today that we've had such a contentious political environment because, and the church has been so divided over politics Because the church is still being conformed into the image of the kingdoms of men rather than choosing to reflect the kingdom of God on the subject of politics in our country. Because, friends, God cares about black lives and law and order and blue lives and all lives. God cares about the environment and he cares about the economy. God cares about us taking care of the nation he's blessed us with, but he also cares about how we care for foreigners. And when Christian and the reason why Christians can't figure out it be any real uh, change agent in the political discourse in this country is because we've been co-opted by the kingdoms of men and have not sought to think and act in accordance with the kingdoms of God. And again, as we visit last week, begins with having a heart of love toward all people and the goal of God's glory in every subject that we address. So our ultimate allegiance must belong to God, and we must live to manifest his will if he is our highest authority. The end of that hymn that I began with says, when he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is seeking stand. I encourage you today, my friends, as we debrief and decompress from this culture of, 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 of hurting one another and, and, and fighting with one another and not loving one another, to return to honoring Christ as your highest authority in your life. To turn away from seeking self-interest in the way that you live on a personal level and as you enter into other human uh, communities and, 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 and institutions. That you don't seek to honor men by dishonoring God. And that you would make God your first allegiance therefore manifesting his will in how you live your life. We pray with me. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters today. Pray that the word has been encouraging and and clarifying according to what it means for our hearts and our lives to belong to you. I pray, God, that we would have hearts that would seek each day to say, not my will, but thine will be done, Father. And that we would 
love you so much that we would be courageous enough to love other people, people who are different, people who have a different point of view, people who we don't know anything about, Lord God, that we would, uh, Lord God, be able to offer any a blessing by bringing love to every discussion that we are engaged in, every interaction that we are welcomed into, Lord God. Help us as we even think politically to think about how we represent you and don't simply fall into the categories that culture and society gives us to be human in this world and in this country. Help us, Lord God, to be your children, to be citizens of the kingdom of God and help us to love you as we love others. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, God bless. Praise